You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And hello, folks. We are back with the film Friday for you guys. Yeah, what's up, everybody? We hope everyone's doing okay. Hanging Definitely. in there. If you've yeah. been in isolation for a while, if you're just entering isolation as we are here in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, we're just kind of in this strange, ambiguous zone. Eh? And I think everyone's yeah. kind of floating around that. Yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean, things have definitely... It changes so drastically day mm-hmm. by day with this whole situation that everyone everyone globally is sort of dealing with here. We, we hope everyone's healthy. We hope everyone's doing well, all of our listeners out there. We definitely plan on still, obviously, uh, you know, bringing you guys awesome content. Amber and I ourselves are dealing with a, a little bit of a shift around in our lives here mm-hmm. as far as um, uh, layoffs and trying to figure things out. Uh, EI, man. (laughs) EI is a thing for us apparently now. I've never had to go on EI and I never expected to ever. It's crazy You can avoid it, but uh, um, it's, yeah, you guys all know we're in the wine industry, so not Mm -hmm. very relevant in these uh, strange times we're in. No, not particularly. Uh, But it's okay. We're going to come out of it ahead and I'm really excited about some of the reading and, and things we'll be able to get done in self-isolation. That's definitely mm-hmm. uh, paranormal and uh, cryptozoological and everything else related. But we do hope everyone's uh, uh, doing okay. For those of you who are feeling especially stressed out or if you're dealing with something, we just wanted to remind you guys about um, the current sponsor we have. That's BetterHelp and how awesome it is. And um, we're not going to do like a little actual ad spot break here right at the beginning but we wanted to mention it again the link will be in the show notes here you guys do get 10 percent off with the promo code portal mm-hmm. and it's just a really awesome uh, online resource you can choose uh, different ways to interact with um, accredited and licensed, licensed online yeah. counselors and therapists so it's uh, everyone's mental mental health uh, is really important so we we enc- encourage you guys to check that out mm-hmm. but today we are here to talk about uh, funky crazy sci-fi things yeah other things that can definitely help your mental stress and uh I feel like probably a lot of people are binging movies and TV shows at this point because what else do you really have to do? No kidding. <laughs> or podcasts, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, exactly. It's the three beasts. These are or essential video resources. games, which we've got into our N64 again. We've because, gone uh, retro. You know, that's how we roll. But anyways, we are talking about a beautiful sci-fi cult classic from 1996, uh, Mars Attacks, uh, directed by Tim Burton, sort of written by him, but he never got, he didn't want writing credit for it. He gave it to the actual writers. And uh, this was something that we've kind of been thinking about for a while. This is a movie, I just want to say this off the top, it's kind of funny because when I first watched this movie, I was probably like eight or nine years old or something like that. Like I was born in 91. It came out in 96. And 
it freaked me out. Like I had nightmares. This movie scared really? me. Really? Did you watch Independence Day? Because that came out right around the same time. Uh, I also watched Independence Day and Independence Day ruined me even worse uh, because it was scarier <laughs> uh, and a little bit more intense and not as much of a mockery. Uh, no, as, exactly. As Mars Attacks ended up mm-hmm. being, although they were both playing off of similar themes of the times as far as uh, the whole War of the Worlds type mentality. Very much, but in totally different ways. Like, obviously, totally. a lot of these elements of Mars Attacks are very parodic. Oh my God, I'm not pronouncing that right. <laughs> it's a parody on a lot of stuff, and it does play on a lot of themes uh, from films from the 1950s and onward. Mm-hmm. And it's it definitely takes it with a grain of salt. I'll Definitely. say that. Oh, for which sure. Which I love. Uh, this was from Rotten Tomatoes, actually. They, this is just a quote here talking about the film. It says, The storyline affectionately harkens back to the be- deadpan sincerity of such 1950s and 60s science fiction films as The Day the Earth Stood Still mm-hmm. and War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. Flying saucers have been reliably seen over the capitals of the world, and the whole world awaits with bated breath to see what will transpire. Right. And that's what we're introduced to at the very beginning, the outset of this movie. And we've seen this multiple times, obviously, but for me, I, it yeah. was a reminder. I was like, how does this even really go down? Because I remember elements, obviously, there's very, very ingrained moments of this movie that you'll never forget. But definitely piecing it all together again was kind of fun. What did you think of the very outset of this movie and what we're introduced to? Well, I, I mean... It's so funny because I just mentioned how I was freaked out by, by it as a kid, so I never thought of it that way. And obviously, I we took a long gap in between watching it again, even though we have seen it quite a number of times. But like, I think maybe you and I maybe watched it together in the first year we were maybe together. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't watched this movie for close to a decade, I would say. Almost, yeah. And it's... Uh, it it is it is kind of an interesting mm-hmm. take on period pieces of fifth of fifties. It film. period pieces and it it in itself is a period piece. It's very time stamped with the technology the they're 90s, using for the yeah. film. And <laughs> for me, I was just like, whoa! I look at that like early CGI and I just want to throw up a little bit much. in my mouth. It's like, pretty bad. It's pretty bad, but it's pretty funny at the same time. So you can just because this isn't a very serious film, you can just take it all in stride kind of thing. But for mm-hmm. me, I was like, why didn't he do it in stop motion? And I actually have a really funny point in our very I'm late section of this up. film. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about some, some fun facts about this, uh, but pretty crazy. Who's into... in it? Like who's in this movie? Oh like, yeah, totally. Insane. Yeah. This is another really fun fact because they're obviously in this casting you see is there's a staggering amount of very well-known actors, mm-hmm. people that were emerging in the 1990s, people that were very established during that time and beyond. Right. And we still see in film today, right off the bat, we got Jack Nicholson playing two roles. You know, he's a Las Vegas developer, um, Art Land, and he's also the president, James Dale. Yes. We've got Glenn Close as the first lady, Piers Brosnan as the scientist slash like professor, Kessler, whatever. Right, yeah, Donald Danny Kessler. DeVito. <laughs> it just goes on and on. Martin Short, Sarah Jessica Parker, come on, Michael J. Fox, Jack Black, Tom Jones, Natalie Portman, all sorts of crazy people that Definitely. are just super talented. It was funny when we were watching the show, I was like, so many awesome people. And I was like, wait a second, Amber, so many awesome actors. I don't know if they're all great people. <laughs> never met them you know. personally, but. <laughs> I would hope, but you never know. A <laughs> couple others that would uh, were potentially in the film as well. Which is oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, this was fun because we looked into a little bit of trivia for you guys and uh, a lot of big names that were supposed to appear or kind of were hopefully going to appear, but didn't, uh, including Johnny Depp, Susan Sarandon, Michael Keaton. Meryl Streep and Diane Keaton. 
the two last ones I named there were supposed to maybe have been cast as the first lady, but then Glenn Close got the role. And she did a good job. She did great. great. Meryl Streep would have been awesome in there too. She would have been amazing. Yeah. But for me, it was like, Ooh, like it, it's almost like too satirical. I would almost want like a Martha Stewart instead or something, you know, because she's been doing great on those subway ads. Let me tell you. (laughs) No kidding. She would have been too young back then, I suppose, maybe for that role. (laughs) Maybe. But uh, yeah, those subway ads are hilarious. Let's let's get right into this because it kind of kicks off in sort of what I would call familiar territory in a way, right? It pops up on the screen. It's this very sort of a just deserted rural setting, right? Mm -hmm. Four miles outside of Lockjaw, Kentucky. Lockjaw. And it doesn't give a date. Because no. I feel like it's a, it, and that, and that is for a specific reason, right? It's because it's not meant to be taken seriously, right? From Jump Street, it's mm-hmm. a mashup of a bunch of 50s, 60s sci fi, hearkening yes. back to all that. So that's why yes. it just says May 9th at 6 57 p.m. outside, mm-hmm. or, you know, four miles outside Lockjaw. It's very like modernist, though. Like everything, as far as even like the furniture, the mise en scene, everything is very much like post-war 1950s 60s kind of thing and vibing totally (laughs) didn't this remind you too when we see that very first scene of like the dusty almost i don't know if we saw any actual uh uh, tumbleweeds rolling in the breeze or anything but maybe it just reminded me of every single beginning of a rural episode of murder she wrote yep 100 (laughs) percent. every single country episode that has ever (laughs) happened on murder she wrote that's how it starts definitely And this is definitely territory that we're familiar with. And it's always rural America, it sort of seems like, right? And I don't know if this popped into your head when we were watching, but now that we've done the show and talked Mm -hmm. about some other, you know, UFO events and paranormal things and stuff like that, obviously Kelly Hopkinsville, Kentucky, came to mind as far as like strange things uh, kicking off in Kentucky, right? Also uh, the Flatwoods counters uh, that were in neighboring West Virginia. So another sort of close by neighboring state. And rural, rural America always seems to sort of have a special place as being the the epicenter mm. of activity, of strangeness, right? Mm-hmm. It's never really like the middle-sized towns. It's either like middle of nowhere, rural America, or it is like Independence Day, New York is getting attacked, mm. giant buildings. There's not really any in-between. Totally, It's yeah. really black and white in that regard. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And they start off with this opening scene that's really, really bizarre, which is the cows on fire, mm-hmm. which is really disturbing. And I don't it remember is. that ever really disturbing me as a young, like as a kid watching this for the first no, time. It was yeah. more of the Martians themselves. But mm-hmm. now watching it as an adult, enjoying it as a fun, quirky movie, that's still really like disturbing. Dark. Kind of, right? It's and the dark. joke that goes along like, you got barbecue cooking all day. I've been yeah. hearing it. Yeah. Or hearing it. Smelling yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. strange. Very dark, yeah. And it's obviously a little bit of a, a foreshadowing of, uh, of the... Uh, yeah, the the torture and the mockery of humanity that's to come, really. Exactly. It does make reference to quite heavily to the cattle mutilations, the connection with uh, ufology and UFO sightings and things of that nature, too. And also, I just wanted to play on your point there about the idea that it's either very rural or very suburban, very centrally located. It starts rural, and then that's where it's almost like these, like, the border borderlines, right? It's like what is real and what isn't and when you're not there right and when you see a headline like that you could just definitely think that it's fake right absolutely and the, and that's the, those are the headlines we all see walking through the grocery store checkout the national Enquirer, and these crazy mm-hmm. newspapers and i remember that being uh, kind of a, a joke and a theme in a lot of x-files episodes where those things are riddled with nothing but nonsense but there's the one maybe the one story in there that happens to be true or based on truth right that's what Mulder would look at exactly but it always gets relegated to to the realm of the absolute nonsense and 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 craziness Mm -hmm. but it's actually 
potentially. And and that reminded me of that, like cows on fire running through Lockjaw, Kentucky. Nobody would believe that nope. except for the farmer and, 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 and the guy he was standing next to on the exactly. road that watched it. Right. And then it's not when you get the mayhem destruction, the, the mass destruction that happens in places like in this movie in Las Vegas, for example, and the right. white house and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And being abroad, right. In France and whatever. And that's exactly. when you get this like solidification of the threat. Mm-hmm. Right. And the threat is, of course, the Martians. And the they're Martians. very, uh, they're sort of interesting. Why don't we get into they're a brief weird, little man. description? And that in itself is definitely one of those things you would see in a skeptical inquirer or any sort of like, you know, uh, what are you, not Pulp Fiction magazines, but like the tabloid type magazines, I guess. Is <laughs> the the, 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 the sci-fi tabloids, sure. The, the yeah. tabs. Anyways, yeah, these Martians are weird. And again, the animation really adds to it. I... It, <laughs> It's typical 90s like animation where it's none of this looks natural. None of this looks right. But let's ignore all that. Right. And I like the way that they had this accented cranium where we get the exposed brains and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> sure. And yeah. They're very similar to us, right? Physiologically. They got two eyes. They've got two hands, two legs. Bipedal, uh, yeah. They're bipedal. They have a torso. They have a brain. They seemingly have some semblance of a... Carbon-based. Well, carbon-based to a certain extent, but they do need nitrogen to survive. Yeah, they can't breathe exactly clearly the same... Yeah, the, the composition of Earth's atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And Which I, is why we had the, <laughs> the, the shells, right, around the soldiers. Right. We also had the example of the, the one that tried to infiltrate, right, the, the Marilyn Monroe alien yeah. that comes in and she's chewing on gum the whole time. And you're like, this is weird. What's going on? And then they realize that it's, it's, yeah, pure nitrogen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's funny. Like I added the little, just the note in here, obviously they have the domes over them to, to go around and wreak mayhem and havoc on humanity when they come down. What do they do at home? I mean, the brain is such a vital organ. It's like, but it's presented as almost an external organ on these Mm -hmm. entities, right? It's not an internal organ that needs to be like protected by, uh, by the, by the skull. It's moist. Yeah. Like it looks moist in my opinion. It's like, what's going on there? And when they actually do the dissection, when they manage to capture and kill one and go to town with it and they're like, what is really going on here? It's just a bunch of green goo and all this craziness. Right. But anyways, I want to get into a big question here because (laughs) this film does a great (laughs) job of paradising or like, you know, um, not making a mockery per se, but going the opposite way as opposed to a lot of traditional sci-fi UFO movies or alien invasion movies where it's always grappling with this idea of like, are they peaceful? Are they hostile? What do they want from us? And why do they come here? Right. Which would be obvious questions, right? Even if (laughs) it's kind of funny to reverse the question and be like, well, if we were exploring space and we got in a shuttle and we ended up going to Mars or somewhere else and landing there and being like, and then the people themselves are asking us those questions, like, what are you doing here? What do you want? For us, I guess it would be resources. It would be exploration based. Initially, it would be peaceful, but who knows where relations would go from there. Yeah, exactly. And so this is where it's like, it's pretty murky. And Jack Nicholson's character, uh, President Dale, yeah, or no, no, is what, it Art Dale? Uh, Art Dale is the, uh, or sorry, Art Land and Art James Land. Dale. Right. <laughs> I'm going to get those mixed up the whole time. <laughs> James Dale. President James Our Dale. That's a very distinguished name. James Dale. Sure. James Dale. James, James Dale. Dale. <laughs> but his uh, character takes a very sympathetic, perhaps liberal approach to dealing with these types of uh, 
invaders, quote unquote. Invaders, as you can say. (laughs) And yeah, like I said, they go the opposite of most invasion films where it's like they're overly cautionary and they want to outright attack or have some sort of military presence. In this case, it's more of like a diplomatic, like scientific leaning, right? And he does does rely, sorry, on Dr. Donald Kessler, which is Pierce's character. Right. Uh, for a lot of his decisions outright, which in the end don't really seem to be good decisions. Which is kind of ironic. It's it's like double irony because I feel like it's it's making a joke of having the contrast between Donald Kessler's character, which is this British scientist, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because it's he's British for one, yeah, and and to the uh, the general. Uh, who's this yes. who's this hardcore like we need the nuke codes right now even though he has no idea what's going on yet he's like that drill surgeon type Classic. guy from like <laughs> totally he's like straight out of uh of uh, out of you know jarhead or something mm. like that right um, the hurt or uh what's the full metal jacket full metal the, jacket the yeah totally <laughs> and uh that's the contrast we have because typically you'd think that if this actually happened in reality, then they would, as, as, as the United States and many, many countries in the world go, they opt for military action before yes. any other things. So this is where it gets yeah. weird, right? Because Nicholson's <laughs> presidential role is uh, Dale. Like he doesn't want to go to the absolute extreme. No, he's a, mo- yeah, sure. He's a moderate. Yeah, he's a moderate. There he's you go. he's a, yeah. And he perseveres with this, and he is very sympathetic to Kessler's observations and and like suggestions and all this stuff, as opposed to favoring a hardline approach, right. which probably could have saved them, but actually not, because they would have gone to war, and in the end, we realize that nukes aren't effective. It's, we do figure that out. Yeah, exactly. Not right away, though. Yeah. But the thing is that it's interesting about this whole Kessler character, too, is the idea that he believes that because they are more advanced than us, they must be peaceful. An advanced civilization must be peaceful, which is hilarious and a huge joke because we as humans generally define ourselves as the most advanced species on our planet, yet we are constantly riddled with war. For the opposite uh, of peaceful, sure. Yeah, self-interest and all these other conflicts relating from that. And we use all sorts of like, you know, Things that are damaging, like fossil fuels. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have noticed the headlines that CO2 emissions have decreased rapidly. Which and, is great. And there seems to be very benefit beneficial results as opposed to... But anyways, we're not going to yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> No, that is really funny because, yeah, it, it's, it's... It's kind of human exceptionalist, right? Absolutely. It sets that bar. Humans set the bar for all the forms of civilization, which in a lot of ways you see the way that that mentality is ineffective and that they can't relate to these martians in the ways that i think they can yeah it's 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 human exceptionalist twofold and one like in the this idea that yeah the the whole idea of advancement equaling peace peacefulness Mm -hmm. and then also the idea that in order for that to make sense there they would have to be able to land and understand us you know what I mean? It's, or it's have like, been understanding us from afar. Right. And, and understand us as we are, uh, right? And and we can only make those judgments based on how we perceive ourselves, right? I don't want to get too technical mm-hmm. here. But it's the opposite of a movie like, for example, Arrival, if you guys have seen that, right, yeah. where essentially extraterrestrials show up. Their perception and understanding of reality is the opposite of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... They weren't even linear. They exactly. didn't even have like so, a, the language that we ascribe as language. Right. You know, so we wouldn't even be the, the, they wouldn't even really be able to make a judgment on whether or not like we're worthy or 
whatever. You know what I mean? To like mm-hmm. be able to make negotiations or anything like that. Totally. Which is kind of or fun. what is that? Like even the idea that there are negotiations to be had, that there is self-interest, that they actually want something from us. Exactly. That's you know I, I, mean? I guess that's what I'm getting All at here. All those yeah, premises exactly. are humanist yes. to a certain degree. They need our water. That's, they need that's our, the way that we understand. Right. Our mm-hmm. nuclear technology. Like this reminds me of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea where it's like every time there's an extraterrestrial terrestrial episode it's they're looking for the nuclear reactor on the yeah. sub it's like come they want on the energy, yeah. this is all you could come up with in the 1960s i love that show but <laughs> great show great show but the, i like it too because kessler makes several interesting statements throughout the whole thing but one of the earliest ones was like he when he is questioned on like well we've been to mars supposedly or we've seen it from a telescope and the hubble scope and all this kind of stuff and we've never seen any evidence of this and he says We've never dove under the surface, and there are these canals that are basically canyons that run miles deep. And the fact that this was all coming out from under the surface, right? This is all Mm -hmm. boiling under the surface. That, to me, is a very apt metaphor for a lot of things that happen in our world and possibly beyond. No doubt. Mm -hmm. And it's also playing off of very real ideas and themes that existed that were sort of fueling those uh movies in the 19 honestly it started in the 1930s with these sci-fi movies uh, that yeah. really developed in the 50s the in terms there of technology silent one i can't remember the date on that one but yeah no I mean, there's we, there is a lot we've watched some ufo and even alien. just general advancement like not even ufo related but even um oh what's it called the the Time Machine, that early one, H.G. Wells. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure when that was actually made into a movie form, but that was quite an early novel totally. from the turn of the century. The and definitely just century. paranormal stuff similar to that. But yeah, this was an idea that was built off of this idea of an ancient civilization potentially at one point in time, you know, living on Mars because, you know, we didn't know... We still don't know a lot about that planet, about the red planet, right? But mm-hmm. uh, And most recently, obviously, researchers have found more and more different uh, sort of microbial life on Mars uh, in the subsurface and could have housed this life and different forms of life for hundreds of millions of years, even longer than that, right? The, the life that exists there now was like bor- borrowing hydrogen atoms essentially from water and just living off of very, very, very small amounts of energy. Hmm. Similar in a lot of ways to things we've mentioned before. I think on it was on our Patreon episode with the Hollow Earth where there was life discovered at depths in some abandoned mines that they ended up penetrating even deeper into where nobody expected it to right. be. And it was multi-celled, like essentially like nematode, like pretty advanced – life for being at depths that not, nothing and was supposed to be. If I'm not mistaken, some of those are in anaerobic conditions, correct? Where yes. there's no oxygen. Yeah. There are other, other They're gases. They're borrowing from other things. Was it nitrogen? I can't remember if these were nitrogen-based I can't remember forms. exactly. Um, but, but it's anyways. just interesting, this idea that obviously, you know, we... It's, it's curious to think about how ancient life could have existed well before even we developed. You know what I mean? Like this idea of or, life on another planet yeah, close to us. Totally. I'm almost thinking in reverse here where it's like, what if this evidence that we see today is evidence of life that existed way, 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 and then over billions of years it became inhabitable and then kind of receded into, again, single-celled or perhaps very simplistic multi-cell organisms that are like like very microbial in nature. Totally. I don't know. This was all sort of spawned, I guess you might say, uh, by this guy, Percival Lowell, 
1895, just before the turn of the century. He published a few different books that were really popular. One was just called Mars and talked about the red planet. And this was followed up a few years later in 1906 by Mars and its canals, because he observed what multiple other astronomers around the world, including a a couple of famous Italian ones, I don't have their names right in front of me here, Hmm. essentially would look to be former canals on mm-hmm. the surface of Mars and whether or not this was from freshwater or saltwater or whatever wasn't really known. Like canals, like when I hear the word canal as opposed to like a, I don't even know. Sounds man like, like Yeah, as opposed to a glen or like a, a, river a valley system or like or you know whatever, what I mean? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it definitely implies that there's some sort of ancient civilization involved. And that's definitely what he w- uh, believed. And it's sort of been disproven in a sense, but there's hardcore conspiracy theorists out there that still buy into this. But there's so much we don't know about the Red Planet. Mm-hmm. We haven't really explored it. Maybe there is some structures in the subsurface that we don't know there. of. We're kind of getting really serious right now, even though we're talking about Mars Attacks, <laughs> which is a categorically not serious <laughs> film, because we could talk about all day about Martians and the idea of mm-hmm. ancient civilizations existing at one point. But let's talk about maybe the arrival of the actual uh, cheesy CGI Martians yeah. in Mars Attacks here, because they show up in a place that we're pretty familiar with. Exactly. It all happened in the Nevada desert, of course. And this is definitely on the nose, but done on purpose to a certain degree. What better place than to first Greece Martians than in the desert and area so close to <laughs> the infamous Area 51? Of course. Uh, very, very much known for these <laughs> forays into it, <laughs> alien technologies or perhaps government conspiracies or classified projects going on. Is where- it almost implying human ignorance in that in and of itself it's just like hey guys let's put up the grandstand in the big welcome spot over here uh yeah. maybe they won't remember 1947 oh, I wonder, <laughs> or something yeah. like that right? actually that's a good question yeah and it's just weird it's grandstanding right it's awkward it's uh it's roswellian but it's not right because it's a few states over and that type of thing but <laughs> in this whole idea it's like welcome to earth there's like a big grandstand <laughs> yeah. there's like people they're like filing cars into the middle of nowhere and this is all the work of president james dale right because he yes. doesn't want it to be yes. a strictly military approach he wants to be friendly he wants it to be open uh but he does say it needs to be supervised and so that's where you get the right. insertion of the military and jack black's character which is very fitting. I loved his role. I didn't even realize until we looked into some of the trivia about this film that Jack Black is not his real name. Wow. I mean, I know. It's not. Blew my mind. It's very much not. And it kind of makes me sad to a certain degree that it's Thomas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about I, Thomas Black. Jack Black works way better in the entertainment I'm scene. sure a lot of celebrities, uh, we'd be surprised. Yeah, we would. Yeah. But anyways, going back to this whole thing where it's like, they, it's just so hokey. It's very well-wishing, obviously. They don't want it to be a negative interaction by any means. And everything seems to go very well. We get this diplomatic guys from the Martians uh, announcing, saying, Greetings, I am the Martian ambassador with his beautiful glittery cloak and all this kind of stuff. And right. the, the tongue unrolling out from their UFO saucer. And it's very impressive, right? Yeah. Um, but also is the reception, right? Because we got a big crowd. We got... It's we've got the, a show of tanks, we've got a show of military helicopters and all this stuff. It's a strange sort of assortment because it's that, and it's also like the Americana, mm-hmm. like fair bandstands watching to see yeah. the, the prize hog. It's like, it's like they're watching a race in the desert as opposed to like the first interaction between yeah. earthlings and a non-earthling race. Sure. 
<laughs> and because this is an American-made film and it's very Hollywood-esque, they're clearly making this statement about the United States and this like military complex that's intimately involved in the culture of the U.S. And it's very poignant to think that it's the U.S. that they decide to land in. They've been circling our planet for days and days, and then they happen to land first contact first contact in nevada (laughs) it's not france it's not germany it's the u.s and all the casinos are at a standstill watching it on tv right (laughs) and it's it's just so weird right because it's like humans are so ignorant that martians have the upper hand to a certain degree because they are just mischief makers to we don't really know what they want by the end of this movie. All they want is to cause mayhem and destruction and kill as many people as they can, have as many weird experiments as possible, and just, like, just breaking hell loose, essentially. Yeah. They do not come in peace as they uh, state very no. loudly. And then there's the, the, the hilarious dove, the dove scene. They came in peace, and the guy lets oh, go of the dove. He's got the Jesus hair and everything, yeah, and, the, and, and he's and all, the, like, hippy-dippy-trippy. And then it's so funny, too, because the daughter, Natalie Portman, that's the daughter of the president, makes it, well, what if it was the dove? Maybe they don't like doves. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, then, then again... That's more cause for contemplation, indecisiveness on the part of the president and the executive firm and all this kind of stuff. Very true. And it just kind of rolls out from there. Classic and ray guns at the beginning with yes. all the mayhem breaks through, which is pretty fun. Classic sound effects for that. I thought it was weird that they had the two colors, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, the melted victims, green and red skeletons. I didn't see any actual um, inferences to that or explanations for that. Yeah, <laughs> Merry Christmas, yeah. indeed. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't either. That was kind of interesting. We didn't really, I mean, other than the fact that they're green, I guess, would be the, the green. Maybe. They like Christmas, okay? Yeah, apparently they do. Yeah, I mean, they're green on the insides, and there's no genitalia, no gender, after this attack when they do this autopsy, which is kind of strange. But meanwhile, there's experiments of their own going on, of course, because poor Sarah Jessica Parker, who is this uh, uh, journalist and uh, TV show host, ends up... uh, yeah, getting uh, knocked unconscious. Her her boyfriend, who is a a fellow TV man, uh, Michael J. Fox, doesn't quite make it, and ends he up on was the supposed ship. to be played by uh, Johnny Depp, by the way. I, which was such a weird little bit of trivia. I'm, so strange. That would have been interesting to see Johnny Depp in that mm-hmm. role. He kind of missed out because this is such a cult he classic really of like epic movies with a lot of people. Anyway, I I just <laughs> I, this was this was funny to me because this whole idea of obviously Sarah Jessica Parker's character uh, and 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 also Pierce Brosnan's character Dr. Donald Kessler getting getting taken into sort of the mothership, I guess so to speak, and they start doing these weird experiments. They're swapping heads around. They've got the little chihuahua on there as well and they end up replacing heads uh, with us as <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker's character and the mm-hmm. chihuahua. And I, I I just thought that this was kind of a a funny classic trope, this whole idea of how we have absolutely no understanding of anything having to do with really having to do with like UFOlogy and the things that are really strange, like abductees and people that come back down with weird implants in them mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any sense. Why would you give a shit? The cattle mutilations. Uh, ca- exactly. Yeah. Cattle mutilations, you know. Uh, and we did see a cow being carried away on the back of one of the Martians in the background yeah, when we see them yeah. on the ship after the initial attack when they've kidnapped Serge Parker. Yeah. So so it's just sort of funny, right? Like it just sort of, you know, it just speaks to that, how it's just all part of this sort of absolutely bizarre phenomena that we've been trying to understand for a very long time, maybe since 47 Mm -hmm. and Roswell, but probably well before that too, really. And we've dug Mm -hmm. into a few things that were before Roswell, before on the show. 
but we don't know jack shit. No, we don't. And maybe they don't either because they're just like playing around with us. We're just like, like, we're almost like the amoebas on their trays and like the little like, you know, like Petri dishes, like scientists experiment with. That's all we are to them. And they don't really have a rhyme or reason. Like they, they dismantle Pierce Brosnan entirely or Dr. Kessler, I should say. Yeah. And just leave him hanging with his like, and the thing for me, I'm like laughing because you see the blood dripping out of his head. How is he able to be alive right now? (laughs) Are these special probes? like giving him life or and i guess that's sort of like humanist in and of itself too to expect that there would be a reason to take us that we're so important you need to actually get something out of this hey buddy Mm -hmm. if you're gonna abduct me and cut my head off and do weird stuff you better figure something out you're just sadist man totally it reminds me of a far side comic i can't remember exactly what it was but it was basically just like humans in a jar and there was like a giant alien that had them and it was just kind of like how we would you know whatever collect bugs when Mm -hmm. we were a kid yeah and it's sort of like that oh totally i remember one time i had a I had one of those little, <laughs> the ones that you're supposed to keep butterflies in, you know, those little cages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> me and my friend at the time decided that we were going to catch as many wasps as we could and as many queen wasps as we could and put them all in the one thing together and just collect them all. <laughs> and then I remember forgetting about it as kids do and then coming back days later and being like, oh, you guys all died. <laughs> just a massacre. <laughs> it was a massacre and I Horrible. felt really bad about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you sleep at night? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they try to use nukes basically because obviously the earth ends up at war as to be expected. That's the first big question. It's also, it's also, it's almost Dr. Strange Lovian. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, they're in the war room. They got yeah. the big board. They mm-hmm. got the, uh, the, the, the world map mm-hmm. up there and trying to but, figure it out. But what about the big board? What about the big board? I couldn't see it. <laughs> and we, they, they still don't know why they're here. That's, they, they've still been grappling this whole time, whether or not to use nukes or not. And the president is still like fighting against the general to, mm-hmm. to pull the trigger and to use them. He almost has like a tantrum. He's like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and he just goes and sit down, takes his little clipboard. It's like, all right, we're all doomed. And it's kind of sad because that general comes to his last defense in, in the moment of need <clears throat> when he's like, but he only has two little pistols, which is really pathetic in my mind. It's like, where are your machine guns? And he gets Hello? shrunk down and stepped on like a bug. Yep. Which is all we really are. A, in this a, a great metaphor right? too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're struggling with this question. It's like we I, we added it right into the doc here that we're uh, doing the show off of. It's like, why did the Martians come? Why are they here? And it's clearly not just to mess with Tom Jones. He was just a hilarious throw into this movie to make it even Love more that. fun. And it mm-hmm. ended up being the uh, the credits song, which was so awesome too. It's unusual. But we've already mentioned this, this idea that like them wanting something is, ex- is very humanist in a way, like water, nuclear technology, mineral resources. You know, if, the, if these are interesting dimensional beings or from a far off galaxy or whatever it may be obviously in this instance it's actually mars they would pretty much be able to just take what they want right what do they need like we don't even really come to any conclusion by the end of this movie all they want is to cause mischief and chaos and destruction and it's pretty hilarious too there's some funny moments i mean there's essentially you know it's obviously you could even say it starts with the the stampede at the beginning even though it's kind of a disturbing image but then there's the martians knocking over the easter island Moai, the heads Mm -hmm. like bowling pins they're just down there bowling with their flying saucers (laughs) they end up uh you know eiffel tower uh, they mess with a you know a group of boy scouts around the washington monument that are you know just out for a hike and (laughs) they end up redirecting a lot of the nuclear attacks into other sort of uh, just creating mayhem 
And at this point in time, we don't really know what's going on in the rest of the world. Like Paris is attacked. We see the Eiffel Tower being destroyed. And you found out that there was way more money that was supposed to get put into this movie. Yeah, they initially, like Burton, wanted about a budget of approximately $260 million. And he ended up getting a budget of $60 million. So in the end, there was about 37 characters that were cut out of the show. There was also a large quantity of scenes involving large-scale Martian invasions and other cities across the world and just different scenarios overall and those were all cut and in my mind I kind of look at them like well that definitely would have made this more of a big budget production but at the same time I don't think they necessarily needed that for this narrative agreed and then of course in the end it's a country music that uh, defeats the Martians, which is sort of a fitting, I suppose, because the humans just sort of fall ass backwards into the thing that saves them, which is uh, nothing what they've been using this entire time. Not guns, not nukes, not chemical weapons, not anything. It's a 1952 song by Slim Whitman. I don't know if anyone out there has ever uh, actually heard of Slim Whitman other than Mars Attacks, but he was an American country uh, music western folk singer. He actually ended up selling 70 million records, but he actually claimed he sold double that, like 140 million. So kind of a curious fellow. Mm. But yeah, super successful. It wasn't just the one-off, because every time I've listened to this movie or watched this movie and listened to that song, I've always thought, is this even a real song? (laughs) Like, is is this an actual country song or is it just... Anyway, but it seems like the country twang is just far too much for the Martian cranium, essentially. So they can't handle it. I guess it's the vibrations of that acoustics. Is like, is that what you think it is? Or is this really just like the song is so horrible <laughs> that they, uh, they can't handle it? It just offends them to the extent where they can't actually exist. Tom Jones turns it off when uh-huh. he uh, gets in the plane to try to escape. It could have something to do with their increased cranial abnormalities we would call them but <laughs> i guess uh it also could be a thing where it's almost similar to the theorized uh dyatlov pass deaths where it's uh what's it called again that sub sub something sound infrasound infrasound yeah exactly could be something like that but i think it's actually pretty ironic right and that's exactly what tim burton's trying to draw off of yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think so too well do we want to get into some fun facts here sure let's do it yeah because uh, there was a couple here, and uh, when I watched this, like I already said before at the very top of this episode, uh, the CGI is very painful, it's very raw, it's very primitive, it's not very good. And when I think of Tim Burton, I don't think of CGI, I think of stop motion. Definitely. And yeah. he actually did want to use stop motion for this uh, initially, and he wanted to make it look deliberately as cheap as possible. And there was a team that actually spent about eight months trying to work on this before uh, Burton was persuaded to move to a more modern technique, which is the digitally or computer computer generated images, essentially. Uh, there is also another interesting part here, <laughs> the scene that we see, because we see a lot of destruction in the film, particularly revolving around Las Vegas mm-hmm. and the Galaxy Hotel, which is destroyed by the Martians during this film is actually footage of the real life implosion of this film or sorry of this uh building right which was destroyed in 1995 which is awesome pretty cool uh a lot of history in this building too uh frank sinatra was uh seen around the 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 hotel during its prime along with uh, elvis presley pretty cool man I know. I thought that was kind of interesting. Another fun fact, this was actually based off of not a video game. 
not uh, like a, a board game. It was actually a card game. That I did not know. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was a video game. There's one very like the the film uses one card that has this like it's basically one of the aliens. It's very similar, right? Like the way that they look physiologically. Sure. Pulling off a mask. It's uh, very akin to the Marilyn Monroe alien that we see. That's ends up uh, biting off, uh, what's his name's finger? The press secretary's finger. Exactly. Martin Short. Mm-hmm. The reason I think I thought it was a video game, I always thought the the scene with the, the kids skipping school playing the, um, uh, the arcade game when their mom stops and chucks them into the bus. I always thought that that was like a reference to maybe like the arcade version of the game. Oh yeah. I don't know why, even though it didn't say it on the side or anything. It's not like it said Mars attacks on the side of the game or anything like that, but I I, I just reminded me. We should look and see if we can find like a vintage card set of Mars attacks. I wonder if they're like expensive, like collect super collectible because of this movie. I wonder. And didn't you say that there was maybe going to be a sequel, potentially? Mm, I did see something online that was dated to, like, February of this year that was saying that it could be. Could be. Maybe not. Mars Attacks cards. Mars Attacks the dice game. What? What? No way. We should play. 15 cards for $9.99. No way. That's not that bad. We're getting this. It's better than mag- <laughs> cheaper than magic cards and Pokemon cards. That's Mars for attacks, sure. space adventure cards, bundle of twenty four packs. Woo! One hundred and forty four dollars on Amazon. Whee! Damn. Aged three and up. <laughs> Does any if anyone out there listening <laughs> owns any this. of these? We'd be very interested to uh, three to six players. Aww. That's really cool. Playtime sixty minutes. We definitely want to hear. I mean, we're kind of getting down to the end of this, and it was a really fun movie. Because it's obviously in the realm of, uh, you know, like the killer clowns from outer space, some of those types of films mm-hmm. we've covered before on the show. But then it also dabbles in sort of some se- more serious themes, I guess you might say. Some like more you, serious you, you satirical can, themes. You, so, exactly. They're mm-hmm. satirical because they're obviously, yeah, they're very much playing off of, uh, of, of serious things. And you can pluck those out and talk about them as, as you want with this movie, which is mm-hmm. kind of makes it fun. We yeah. want to hear what you guys have to say, though. So what do you think about all these weird things? Yes. What about like grandma and Richie? Like we didn't cover a lot of stuff on this because we didn't really want to be very like, you know, I don't even know how to say it. Like, <laughs> well, we're at 41 minutes and we're talking about Mars attacks and well, we're going know. like piecemeal, right? Piecing it out scene by scene, you know, that can, the minutiae of that can be tiring to some. Yeah. And, uh, we just want to keep it fresh. So like, what about things like different symbols in this movie? What do you guys make of the dove? For example, what do you think of the aliens themselves? Like we want to know any and all weird intricacies or observations you've made about this movie. Cause it's been Definitely. around for a while. And like, what would you have done differently? And if there was going to be a sequel, how would you want that to be done? Because yeah. I honestly have, have no idea how they would go about that would they right. make essentially like a carbon copy version but even make it cheesier or would Ooh. they make it a little more serious or how would you go about that it's no, weird right? i think go cheesy all the way for sure yeah but that's just my opinion so let's hear what you guys have to say hit us up into the portal mailbox at gmail.com or obviously uh check us out on our social media like facebook and uh join our facebook forum if you're not in there already uh the yeah it's just like the itp mm-hmm. room where we talk about some weird stuff straightupstrange.com is our network so make sure to check that out especially during this whole weird covid19 thing you're looking for extra content yeah. we've got a bunch of really cool shows on there for you guys to check out and more just really honestly interesting projects coming down Mm -hmm. that we really want you guys to uh, be a part of too so check those things out hit us up and until next time on Into the Portal your gateway to the bizarre
This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.